2: Premier League daily from the Sports Social.
0: Welcome to Premier League Daily. This is a new podcast bringing you daily updates from the Premier League every single day of the week during the season. I'm Jim Salverson. Over there is Korn. Yo. Over there is Joe McGrath. Hello there. And we're going to be talking about the Premier League, which will contain one less hazard next season. But where does that leave Chelsea? We're going to pick over Pickford's perfect penalty performances for England finishing third in the Nations League or second last, depending on which way you want to look at that one. And we're going to talk transfers as Premier League managers shuffle their decks for the brand new season. But will they be pulling out a joker or will they be pulling out an ace in the hole? So let's start off with Eden Hazard. We've known about this for pretty much the last 12 months. It's looked like the transfer has been on, but finally Hazard has left Chelsea. He's joined Real Madrid for £88 million. Could be £130 million by the time everything has been added on to that. Doesn't seem like a lot of money, does it? £88 million for someone who has been heralded as the best player in the Premier League.
1: I think you've got to think about his age, though. That's the thing with transfers these days. I mean, you look at Coutinho when he went to Barcelona for, what, hundred and twenty million or £140 million, I think it might have been, from Liverpool. So you think, wow, that's a lot of money. That kind of set the benchmark for like Premier League players going to Spanish clubs in the modern market. And after that, Neymar to PSG transfer, which completely... Uh, tip the scales in terms of ridiculous money for, for players, you think, well, Azard, in my opinion, I think he's been a more consistent performer. He's done it over a longer period of time. He's won more than what Coutinho won. Surely he's worth more money. Yeah. But he's getting a bit older than than people realise. He's 28, 29, and I don't know how long it'll be before his body starts to break down, but you can't deny that he's been a phenomenal performer for Chelsea. So you're Chelsea. looking at
0: the sell-on, I guess, aren't I'm you? I'm looking
1: at more. It's 88 million to start with, and if he wins them the Champions League and La Liga and the Copa del Rey and whatever else, then he'll get his bonuses yeah. and it'll probably benefit Chelsea in terms of that extra cash. But I think because of his age, he's, he's 28. He's, he's I think he's born in January, so he'll be 29 by the time that, uh, the middle of next season rolls around. I think that's a fair price for him. He's He's been invaluable to Chelsea considering what they bought him for what they've managed to win with him in their squad. I think, what, two Europa Leagues, two Premier Leagues, other trophies as well. I think he's worth it. But it does seem, at the moment, a little bit less than what you thought. But I think when it all adds up together, you probably realise it's it's probably about right.
0: I've been reading a lot over the last 24 hours or so about how Hazard is going to be missed greatly by the Premier League, how he's one of the best that's been there in the last four or five seasons. And I've never, I don't know why, but I've never considered Hazard to be in that, kind of level as one of the best in the league but yet you look back on say last season and there's very little that you could compare him to there's very mm. few other players that you'd yeah. say offered quite as much as he does
2: he's always been sort of second best in a lot of these Premier League uh, seasons he's always been outshined by someone else who's had a, an incredible season like Salah and you've got Van yeah. Dyke obviously and, and these players stand out above him because they're not used to being that sort of high-level footballer but then Van Dijk comes along and has an incredible season. Salah does the season before that but consistently Hazard has always been That's second it. best in a That's weird it, you know, way. Like KDB or Salah Yeah, KDB yeah, before been, that. He's always
1: second best. I mean, and he's got this weird thing as well, Hazard, where if he doesn't like the manager he just won't turn up. I don't know. So I was
0: thinking about this because I in my head have got Hazard as a bit of a troublemaker. Yeah. But actually, you never hear stories in the mm. paper about him like being anything other than a professional I
1: think he's well liked in the squad I just think it's the way he performs under certain managers during his Chelsea career over the years but the point of being a Chelsea player is to win the club trophies and we know what they're like with their managers so I think Eden Hazard knows that if he doesn't like a manager they're going to be gone within a season Mm, or two anyway because that's just how Chelsea work but the interesting way to gauge it I think is like Joe was saying Salah two seasons ago was unbelievable and then Van dyke has been great this year for Liverpool as well I mean, would Eden Hazard get in an all-time Premier League eleven? I mean, you'd think he'd be close to it.
2: On, but, maybe but on the, the think
1: He's gone for eighty eight million pounds. How much how much did Gareth Bale go for?
2: Well that's the thing how much gonna, did Ronaldo I, go for? I was for? gonna bring it back. And they're always in, in consideration. I was gonna bring it back to the attacking players that Ronaldo uh, that Real Madrid have already bought from the Premier League, including uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, two thousand nine, and then obviously Gareth Bale was the last yeah. one. And they spent good money on them. Yeah. But they spent good money on them when they were younger, and like you were talking about before, twenty nine, I think what? Gareth Bale went when he was twenty three and I think Ronaldo was around that age as well. So they had in them a lot more money that they could spend on per season because these were big investments. There's more mileage in those players. So like Ronaldo was nine seasons at Madrid, you look at the money they paid, I mean that was nothing. So we'd probably get about three seasons out of Hazard But when Bale and Ronaldo went to Real Madrid, they were the
0: Real Madrid that we think of they were the Galacticos. Now they're a team that is really going all out. There's an element of desperation that yeah. they want to get back to the top of the <laughs> Liga. They're not even top of the Liga and then you count in like people like Man City who have entered the scene, people like PSG mm. who haven't who are kind of relatively new in terms of money. So they haven't quite got the ability to attract those players unopposed as they might have had to before. But there is an element from Real Madrid
2: that they are desperate now to get back to the top of Spanish football. And that's why I, don't, I, f- I found it a bit strange that Chelsea haven't charged a bit more. Because, I mean, that's happened to Manchester United over the last couple of years, when, when you can see that they are desperate to make sure that their yeah. glory days return. Their clubs charge them a fortune for certain players. And you go, yeah. oh, why have, Why isn't Chelsea going to actually... You, you want him, I can see. You desperately want Hazard, but it's going to cost you... 100 million, or something like that. But like you say, the add-ons probably will add up up to going past the 100 million mark. So uh, they're desperate, and I I will see other clubs maybe... If there are certain players that are still on their transfer tick list around Madrid, mm. other clubs might take the mm. mick a bit. Because you can see that they're desperate, and they've always got money. Yeah, they've always got money.
1: Yeah, I mean the problem for Chelsea now is is they need to find someone who can step up to Azard's levels because they've got this transfer ban mm. for this summer transfer window and the next one in January. So they made a sign in Christian Pulisic from Borussia Dortmund in the last window for 60 million. Now, as good as he is, he's not Eden Hazard. And no. Jaden Sancho has been keeping him out of the Dortmund team this mm. season. So, I mean, they're going to need to find some players. I mean, Callum Hudson-Odoi, he's not going to be fit for the start of the season. He's had an Achilles operation, so he's not going to be around. So they need to find players who are going to step up uh, and do the job. Sarri might not even be there. Well, this I is think Chelsea are in a real disarray at the moment. Where I think does it leave
0: Sari? They've lost their... Where does it leave Chelsea? They've lost their start player in Eden Hazard. It looks like Sarri in the next 48 hours maybe might be signing with Juventus. So... Who's going to come in and take that job for a start? If Sari does go, who is going to join Chelsea that's just lost their best player, can't sign any players for two transfer windows, and so can't put his stamp on the team? And yeah, they finished third in the Premier League this season, but that team has been built around this mythical Sari ball thing that we're supposed to have <laughs> heard about. So a new manager coming in isn't even going to be able to put his stamp on that team.
1: Yeah, and that's the problem, isn't it? Who? That's the that's the killer question. Frank Lampard, isn't yeah, it? That's yeah, that's what everyone's pointing <laughs> out. it Frank is. Frank Lampard coming else? in, but
2: I mean, with the disappointment, if you're getting Frank Lampard in, what do you really want him to achieve? If you've got this transfer ban, if you've got to get rid of your best players, I Chelsea always seem to sort of somehow sort themselves out. Even this season, you you saw the sort of destruction around the uh, the League Cup final mm. when you know Kepper and uh, sorry having these arguments. what's going to happen here? Well, they go on and win the Europa League and they get third, so it can't be that bad They've
1: not had a bad season, and they only lost that final by a penalty.
2: Yeah, exactly. It could be more, but they always seem to sort themselves out. So I do think whoever they get in, uh, remarkably, I think it'll be all right for them. I mean, we talk about it being a negative, but actually is there a
0: huge opportunity for whoever comes in and the club here? Because if Frank Lampard, for example, does come in, he has a free pass yeah. for a season. He can assess... I mean, Chelsea have got this massive depth of players they send out on loan, these youth <laughs> players. He's got a chance to assess those for 12 months, give them opportunity. People like Hudson-Odoi, people like Tammy Abraham, who maybe yeah. haven't got a future at the club, but they've got 12 months to look at that. And we look at Spurs last season, and you see, actually, having a settled team where you're not bringing in new players, and although it's a slightly different scenario at Spurs than it is at Chelsea... It can benefit
1: a club. Mm. If harvesting young players was a game of hungry hippos, <laughs> Chelsea <laughs> would be winning, hands down. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do love to hoard <laughs> time. Hungry, hungry, um, <laughs> But this is what But this is why I agree with what you're saying about Lampard, Jim, because he's almost got that safety net of a season where if things go wrong, he's going to have the benefit of time yeah. because fans will, will obviously give him a bit more respect because he's a club legend, so they're naturally going to give him more time. Also, he can't sign his own players, so there's no sort of uh, fear of failure there. To say, oh, you've signed these players and they've not worked. Yeah. Like Antonio Conte in his second season made some horrendous signings that a lot of them, I mean, Bakayoko's been on loan at AC Milan. They don't want to keep him. They're sending him back. Zappa Costa was another terrible mm. signing. So, I mean, Lampard's got this safety net and he's also got the benefit of the fact that Jody Morris, who used to be Chelsea's academy manager is his assistant at Derby County. And so he knows working with players like Loftus-Cheek and Hudson-Odoi, he knows him quite well. And it gives them a chance to bring this youth through and promote it. I mean, yeah. look, look at what they did with De Bruyne. They signed him, said he wasn't good enough, goes off to Wolfsburg, City signing, and he becomes one of the best players in the world. So yep. I think Chelsea would be fearful of that happening again. It's either that or it's Zola stays or maybe even Emma Hayes the Chelsea women's manager who's been talked up to possibly take over the role and be the first women's manager in the Premier League which would be uh, which would be incredible mm-hmm. but, not going to happen though but is it? I don't think it's going to happen not but I mean what? I think it's got to be Lampard isn't it surely I mean who who else is going to take that job. No-one's going to take that job, are they? Come on.
0: Let's, Let's see what happens. Let's see if Sorry leaves first, obviously. But it could be an opportunity for Chelsea, as you say. Let's move on to the Nations League because that concluded this weekend just gone. We had Portugal lifting that in an uninspiring 1-0 win. <laughs> Every game in the Nations League could pretty much be described as uninspiring. But from an England point of view, what do we make
2: of their performance in the Nations League? It was uninspiring. Like, there was nothing about the way England played uh, over the Nations League that made me believe that the progress had happened in the squad mm. that made me think that come the Euros we are going to do something that we've not done in a long long time even reach a final that there was no sort of spark in there and everyone was talking about uh, Gareth Southgate is he just testing things out this time round well I don't know I, I look at Gareth Southgate he's a very serious man mm. apart from the penalty shootouts when Pickford obviously takes the penalty I, yeah. I get why that happened but he tried certain players in different positions and, and we, we had an incredible attacking lineup. Yes yesterday but it just didn't see the spark wasn't there now why is that is it because the players are, are tired it's been a long old season for a lot of them is it because they're not just used to working with each other yet? Yeah. you don't know if there's frictions or, yeah. or what has happened since the World Cup or is it just the pressure it didn't seem like England were taking it that seriously did it no it,
1: it didn't work I think Southgate's team selection in the first game against the Netherlands was was the wrong decision there were seven players that played in the Champions League final the week before and he rested all of them and I just thought. That midfield of delft mm. who doesn't even play in midfield for City, doesn't get on the pitch for no. City. Declan Rice, who we're still learning about, who's obviously a very good, promising young player in the centre of midfield, and, and just that midfield for me just didn't—it just didn't feel right. It felt like there was a bit of an imbalance there. Maybe players that hadn't played enough. Uh, and I know the Champions League final was an emotional, mental occasion where everything can can drain you and exhaust you. So I can understand why he rested players. But I just felt that, you know, it is a semi-final at the end of the day. Yeah. Surely you want to play your best players and get the, get the best result you can. We
0: can dismiss um, it now that it doesn't matter because we didn't win it. But obviously, if England had picked up that trophy, which is the first trophy since, well... 66 unless yep. you count Le Tournois in 1997 which I think anyone <laughs> <laughs> counts Le Tournois in seven seven. but that would have been amazing if England had lifted a trophy it, it and going into the Euros that would have been an amazing lift for the team as well as you say Joe to be challengers in 2020 to have that confidence of achieving something like that that's going to help
2: isn't it? It's got to help and especially such a young squad and like you said a lot of promising talent there that goes into the next tournament they have if they've got a little victory uh, in behind them and they know what it's like to win something because finals are finals at the end of the day I know you might think oh I'm not taking it seriously but you're in a final and that added pressure and that occasion is always going to be there but nothing there wasn't a sense of like we've got to win this even they might have not taken the whole competition Mm -hmm. seriously which is I've been a bit upsetting for the England fans that travelled out there to see their, their country obviously not perform to the best of their ability. Oh, they're used to it though. <laughs> they are used to it. So I guess what what <laughs> happens now? I mean next next summer will be the Euros and we'll all get behind England again. Yeah. What was throughout the for my my um life so far, it's always been let's look forward to something and get let down. We had one little summer of uh, of hope, but will we be back to let's get looking forward to something and then get let down again?
0: But we always get carried away. I mean you look back at the World Cup and England did very well in terms of progressing through mm-hmm. that competition, but in terms of performances it was poor and you mentioned the experimentation that Southgate had with his squad in the Nations League and a few different players and positions, but mm. he still stuck rigidly to a four three three. Even if he changed personnel around. And you saw in the Netherlands game It wasn't quite working in midfield, so he changed the personnel around. He brought new players on. He switched wings from Sancho and Sterling, but he still stuck to that 4-3-3. And is that the problem that England have, is there is no real plan B?
1: Yeah, I think that maybe there's an element of that. It's more for me that this idea of England playing out from the back. Mm. And ironically, it was John Stones who made the the mistake, which which cost England in the semi-final against Mm. the Dutch. Which is weird because John Stones, you think, is the one who's going to be the most used to it. He needs played to have the options, City. doesn't he? He needs to have the options. So it's all well and good trying to play this philosophy. But if you've got players like, you know, I don't, I don't know, let's just use Declan Rice for an example. We know West Ham play better football now than they did under Sam Allardyce. But if, if you're talking... It's <laughs> not so hard, is it? <laughs> <laughs> if you're talking styles of play, how many... And Kevin De Bruyne said this in a, in a pre-match interview for Belgium before he played for them. How many teams in the Premier League play out from the back mm. in the way that Manchester City do? How many teams in the Premier League can translate that from their club football to the international stage because there'll be players in that England team that aren't... Like Callum Wilson for Bournemouth is probably used to the, the Bournemouth playing decent football, but not to the level of yeah. Manchester City. So it's like, how are the midfield players going to get used... I mean, sorry Ball, totally different to way Pep plays. So Ross Barkley's coming back looking for this pass or not really sure what to do there. It's hard because a training camp lasts, what, a couple of weeks? Whereas yeah. Manchester City, they train day in, day out throughout the course of a season. They know their style of play. I just think with England, sometimes... Uh, that can get diluted the way that the style of play the manager wants to do. I mean, it's like Joe says, it's been a long season. Some of these players have played 60 games.
0: We know how important a goalkeeper is in that scenario yeah, as well when definitely. you're playing out from the back. And when you saw when Pep Guardiola first came into Man City, the first thing he did was get rid of Joe Hart <laughs> See because, you later, he, Joe. Yeah. because he couldn't do what was required. Mm. And you've got to look, I mean, I have slight concerns over Jordan Pickford as an England goalkeeper anyway. He's, he doesn't seem to be that top tier. He's quite small. everyone everyone says uh, that he's quite
1: small I think he is about 6'1 I think which is contrary to popular belief but I think it's he's definitely got a mistake in him I don't ever watch him and think I'm 100% confident um, with how he is I don't know who the alternative is but that's the thing he got Burnley have got about ten keepers to speak yeah. from, and
2: they. Who <laughs> would be the alternative? I think what I do like about Pickford is he gets what it is to be an England fan. Like he yeah. gets it. Like he, he a lot of oh, times I get it is so to be an England fan. Yeah, I, I, I I know. could get I, on that
0: pitch and show passion, Joe. But, but a lot of people, a, ca- a lot of
2: people's uh, on that pitch, just like they couldn't be bothered yesterday. Whereas Pickford still knew what he wanted to win that game, and I think that's what you kind of need. You want players who build up of passion. I mean, you look at some of the best uh, countries in the World Cups, so the underdogs, the ones that go further than you think. They're the ones that love the country and understand what it is to be part of that country playing football and mm. don't take it for granted. But the ones that let everything fall by the side are the ones that think they're too good for the country and then that's where everything falls apart. Uh, I think that's why you need characters like Pitford who realise that they're in there to do a job. Alright, stuff might happen but he'll give
0: 110%. Before we move on to transfers, I just want to have a quick word on Bernardo Silva who was the Nations League player of the tournament and who seems to have been I don't know, he seems to have snuck up into this world-class category over the last season or so. City fans have been banging on about him, but he seems to have gone about it quite quietly. Now he's just one of the best players in the league, and it's just happened.
2: We're running out of world-class players. We are, we are. We're running out of world-class players in world football, and everyone's just looking at these (laughs) above-average players and thinking, well done, look, he must be world-class now. No, we've run out. You know, As soon as Ronaldo and Messi go... God knows who's going to win the Ballon d'Or then. We're running out. Bernardo Silva can have his time. Listen. But for me, he's not going to hold it up against the, the legends of the what Premier League. He tw- he's tw-
1: 23, something he's, like he's that. He's 24. He's getting he's, on a bit. He's world class, <laughs> but Ronaldo and Messi are a different It's not uh, in that world category. They're, they're two. You can leave those two. What about if you compare him to those someone two? like if, the, Neymar the best, or Kevin De Bruyne? Yeah, the best way to put it is would Bernardo Silva at this moment in time get into a World 11? You know, if, if Earth 11 had to play against Mars 11 in a football match. Bernardo Silva would get in earth 11 I think. Okay. Really? I think I think so. I think at this moment in time I think This is he what would. I mean. He's wow. like,
0: it's he's, he seems to be still underrated. Yet every he's City it. fan you speak to loves him and thinks he's the the engine room
1: of that Manchester City team. I think he's just quiet. He's just a bit of a workhorse and he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't do anything offensive. He's not obtuse in any way. He's one of these players who just works hard. And I think it's a good old fashioned sort of English admiration for him the fact that he just gets about his business and he's, he's just he's mustard he's a good player <laughs> he's a good player and you just got to respect that and, and the fact he's won a treble with City now he's won a national trophy with Portugal um, four trophies in a season four major trophies at that I mean you have to say doing you know, right, full credit to him I mean he, I think he deserves the credit he gets at the moment and the scary thing is I think he can get better as well
0: we'll leave that there for now we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk transfer rumours on Premier League daily
2: Premier League Daily from the Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Premier League Daily from the Sports Social.
0: This is Premier League Daily, a podcast for you every single day during the Premier League season. And we're going to talk transfers now. João Felix, the (laughs) 19-year-old from Benfica at the moment, who seems, I mean, the Benfica president has said pretty much he's off. We don't know where he's off to at the moment, but Manchester City have shown an interest. Manchester United have shown an interest.
1: Do you think he's going to be moving this window? Yes, but I also think he'll be playing at Benfica again next year. Oh. I think it's one of those. We'll sign him and we'll loan him back to you. I remember Real Madrid did it with that 15-year-old Norwegian lad called Martin Odegaard. Yes. So they signed him and then they just basically put him in their B team for a couple of years or they loaned him out or whatever. I think this is one of those. I think... We've got such a tendency now with the world of football manager and FIFA and social media to to see a young player and go, they're amazing. And then every club jumps on it. The hype gets built and built and built. I mean, if you look at the way they performed, I know it's only one game. but If you look at the way Felix performed in in his Portugal debut and in the Nations League final, he didn't set the world on fire. But this is a kid who has got the world at his feet in terms of a, a potential move. I think he will be on the move. I don't know where, but I'm pretty sh- I'm I'm pretty confident in thinking that he'll probably end up at Benfica for another season just to kind of... He, he mm. just needs to build himself as it's a It's incredible
0: player. what we expect <coughs> from young players now. We expect at 19 them to be doing what they would have been doing 10 years ago at the age of 24, 25. It's like we expect players to mature so quickly now. You're a United fan though, Joe. See a kind of player that you think Solskjaer should be signing this window.
2: I think what happens in this transfer window, like it happens in, I uh, rate for the last three or three seasons, <laughs> United who City are linked with, and then somehow we're all linked into the same category. If this player fits Ollie's plan for next season, then obviously get him in if we want to do a, a Sanchez and, and buy him because everyone else thinks he's hot property and we're going to splash, mm. splash the cash on him, then let's not do that because it's not uh, seen proven over the last couple of seasons. We need to buy people that will fit and will fit in the squad next season not just sit on the bench collecting a waste uh, packet. This is
1: it. His agent is, is Jorge Mendes so he's going to be going somewhere big mm. yeah. because Mendes, has, I think he's Mourinho's agent as well so he's got some he's got some big contacts there so I think Felix will be off somewhere big. But why are Manchester United looking at attacking players? Why aren't you looking at centre-halves? That's Thanks. your biggest problem at Manchester United, is defence. And not one defender has been linked with Manchester United, this transfer window. It's shocking. Well, I can't believe it. I'm actually wrong. astounded. Oh, <laughs> to a
0: extent, because wan has been not only linked, but supposedly United have put yeah. in an offer for wan the princely sum of £40 million pounds for one of the players that's probably one of the high, most highly rated full mm. in the Premier League next season firstly 40 million quid isn't going to get you wan <laughs> shorts of Crystal Palace <laughs> no way. Mm-hmm. secondly it is the kind of player that United are going to want mm. and that would improve that United team but they need to take it seriously and that seriously isn't an offer of 40 million quid is it
2: no how much would you think the Crystal Palace 60, are selling for 60. 60 well that's
1: what they want for him 60
2: 60 million well you've got to then look at the, the the Deadwood in the defensive lineup at United and get rid of some of them maybe to build up the funds for that I don't know if anyone will personally want to buy Smalling or Jones <laughs> No one's going to buy it. No one want to buy it but there needs to be West Ham, like. <laughs> yeah, if we if we bring any defensive players into our squad some have to leave and that is the that is the be on end all of it we can't have a, a, just a Loads of defenders in our uh, squad that are just sitting there collecting this money that they do not deserve. He has been good this season, Wan-Bissaka, But
1: he's a fullback.
2: Yeah, we go. United need centre backs. Yeah, exactly. Signed uh, a lot. Uh, uh,
1: but I mean, sixty million is what Palace want from. I think United bid twenty five million. That was knocked back. Forty million. That's been knocked back. One and good you, you season. Can, he's had as uh, well. One good season, exactly. And you can see why Louis van Gaal called Ed Woodward the clueless. Said yep. he knew zero about football because. I mean, you're not going to get Wambasaka for £25 million. Come on, Crystal mm. Palace. I mean, they're, they're more streetwise than that.
0: Is it like buying a second-hand car? You kind of lowball the first bid. So, you eventually, you
2: meet somewhere in the middle. United play more. United <laughs> go, this car's worth three grand. I go, oh, we'll give you four. <laughs> that's what happens with United. <laughs> or United.
1: United have a car that's clearly falling apart. Just one more year. We'll get, yeah, through yeah, the, one we'll get year. it through the MOT. One more year. That's exactly see if we can take is. it. One
0: more year contract. One last one, because on the topic of raising funds, this is quite significant because the Evening Standard before uh, reporting that Paul Pogba could be on his way out of Old Trafford. I mean, this happens every single window. This rumour starts but they're saying (laughs) that he could be off Pogba out, but replacements in the shape of Christian Eriksen, potentially from Tottenham, and Yori Tielemans, who was the mm. Monaco player, was on loan at Leicester last season as Arian. potential replacements. Would you be upset if Pogba left Old Trafford? I think a lot of United fans would not be upset to see the back of
2: him. I don't think so. I think if he if it's Pogba's time to go this summer, then it is his time to go. I'm not extremely excited about seeing the United shirt next year because with what he comes with, which is a, a good footballer. He also comes with, you know, will he show up today or will he not? Will we get the Pogba we paid £89 million for? Will he be part of the, the team that needs to go out and get the three points? Or will it all just be about himself in a in a way where if he doesn't want to play football and can't be bothered playing football, he just won't? And, you know, you've got managers on the sidelines who, who need to play him or, or are worried about not playing him. If it's contracts or if it's the fact that he's such a star and if you drop him, you know, it might affect other things and not just like the money you might get for sponsorships, it might affect uh, the fans around the world because, you know, don't forget there's a lot of Manchester United fans from Manchester that just watch the games week in, week out, can see. What would you want what, from him? Would it just yeah. be a
0: case of getting your 89 million quid back? Or do you think, I mean, the market's changed. Even since Pogba signed for United, there is now more money in football. We I think we get the profit. exact
2: same money back for him. Do you think he's still worth 89 million? Someone will pay 89 yeah. million. Whether he's Some worth will, it or not. Yeah. Do you think he if Juventus went back in for him... I think they'd pay eighty nine million pounds for him. Because but, but Allegri's
1: not there anymore. The manager Allegri. So w- will he go back there? I mean, that, that's a question. I mean, Real Madrid and Barcelona are keen on him. So mm. driven by fans, though, isn't it? If they want him back, they they can. They'll obviously be interested in bringing him back. And Juventus they want to win the Champions League because they haven't won yeah. it for so long. Also, and Pogba can give them that and, and he played well there before yeah. so there's no reason why they might not be keen mm-hmm. to take him back.
2: Also as well, that sum of £100 million that might be floating around for Pogba, they paid it for Ronaldo and I'm pretty sure they would have made quite a lot of that back from not only the yeah. winnings of the season but uh, from, from what comes around it with the sponsorship and even the shirt sales mm. with his name on the back yeah. of it. Bringing Paul Pogba back to Juventus would probably only do the same thing. Nice new kit for 2019-20 season with Pogba's name on the back.
1: I like the sound P- of replacements, possible replacements, though. Tielemans Te- yeah. was great for Leicester mm-hmm. on loan. He was excellent. And I think he gives you. he's a bit more low-key than Pogba, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With Pogba, you get this big profile, don't you, like you're saying. Tielemans is a bit more low-key. And I think you just probably grind out performances... Without yeah. being sort of pinpointed like Pogba, you're always thinking with the prize tag and the fact he's a star man, the spotlight is always there on him. So even if he has an average game, he's getting pelters from all over the place. Mm. Whereas at least Tielemans, you could kind of see maybe a little bit more of a kind of a Roy Keane kind of Roy Keane was brought in from Forest and everyone kind of thought, well, that's Roy Keane, he'll do his job. He wasn't the Beckham of his day, he was he? Beckham was the one where the spotlight was on him, much like Ronaldo. Yeah. So I think that central midfield role is actually a really interesting position to be like the flash player yeah, yeah. so to speak because I think a lot of the time it's the forward players or the attacking players that get that tag you know of the or oh, this is the guy who's going to win us the game this is the guy who's worth the most money he's the star man it's very rarely a central midfielder is that man I mean you think even back in that Real Madrid team with Zidane it was still you know, like Bex again or Brazilian Ronaldo or, or Figo these players so yeah maybe that's an interesting switch I, I think I'd rather have Tielemans It seems
0: like that would fit into what we imagine to be the Solskjaer blueprint as well. (laughs) The fact that he's brought in, James, this young winger, that he wants young, hungry players Mm. rather than those big established stars, which, as we have seen, has not really worked out too well for United over the last couple of seasons.
1: I'm really excited to see how United do next season. I know United Joe sat over there. I'm really excited because I think we've seen the best and the worst of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in six months. We've seen mm. him win 13 games in a row, whatever, and lose. Have we seen the worst, uh, though? <laughs> well, we don't. Well, I think I think maybe. We'll get
2: like... me 2 at home to Cardiff on the, uh, one of the last games of the season. Pfft, that was up there with the worst. That's bad. Yeah, that was no, up there I, I, with the worst. A team that man relegated <laughs> Beat him. a couple of years back, beats him at his dream job at Old Trafford. By two goals, by the way. It wasn't just one. No, no, no. Two goals. Not one single ball went in the back of Cardiff's net. (laughs) This this, attacking football, this flair. Next season. I'm excited. I'm excited to see Joe. The the
0: stories are there. The Chelsea story, the United story, Liverpool City renewing that rivalry. It's going to be a good season. It's such
1: a good chance for United next season. If they sign right this summer, they've got a real chance to get into the Champions League because Arsenal don't have loads of money to spend Spurs they might lose Trippier they might lose Rose they might even lose Pochettino Chelsea can't sign anyone they've lost Hazard this is such a good chance for United next season mm. to get into the top four it really is if they sign properly they could have a good that season that is the key though but this is the thing the door's open for United after this season you see the top four the race has been so exciting for the top four this season but I think United could could sneak in there
0: and there is the reason you should subscribe to this podcast Premier League Daily every single day through the season giving you latest Premier League news click subscribe now you can follow us on Twitter as well at the sports social you can find all your latest football Premier League and other sports news as well Niall Joe thank you very much boys. and we'll see you soon on the next Premier League daily from the football social
2: (laughs) subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode
1: the Manchester football social is evolving
0: You'll still be able to get all the latest opinions and news on Manchester United and City. But now as part of a daily Premier League podcast.
1: All the big stories, gossip, laughs and highlights from the biggest league in the world discussed by real passionate football fans. And no footballing dinosaurs. You can join the evolution by searching Sports Social wherever you find your podcasts and hitting subscribe. And now find us on your Amazon smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, enable
2: Sports Social for daily news updates on your team. Sports Social, a voice for fans.